Hello and welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. So wonderful to have you back with us. I'm your host, of course, Patrick Cullen. And sitting across from me, all the way in Western Australia, is the one and only Christopher T. Barty. Bardo, how are you, pal? We're back. <laughs> we are back. It's a bit like deja vu. Um, little inside joke. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Podcasting up 30 seconds, but little inside joke. That's all right. Inside edge. I mean, Chris... It is 7am in the morning in Perth when we're recording. I think it's sensational. Yeah. You're awake and you're Thank up you. and you're conscious yep. and you're here to talk to me. Um, I'm very, very grateful for that. Big fella, there's been so much bloody cricket on. Hey, hasn't it been wild? Yeah, We've had ODI series. We've had T20 World Cups. There's test series starting. It's all going on. Yeah, look, certainly we've been submerged in cricket, Pat. Submerged <laughs> in cricket. Um, there's like a flyaway submarine, Chris. We're sinking right. to the bottom of the ocean you in know, cricket. Since we last spoke, you know, we've played we've played Zimbabwe. Yeah, we've played the West Indies. Yeah, uh, we've played England in a seemingly weirdly scheduled three day ODI series. And look, mate, I've got a big bone to pick about that. I'm not sure if I should be picking bones straight off the bat, but I thought I thought we sort of came together right as a cricketing public in the last sort of couple of years and went, hey, dead rubber ODIs, what are we doing with them? What's the point <laughs> of these guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, let's, not, let's not do this. It seems like the public doesn't really care about it. Why are we, well, why I think, are we doing this? I think the English players openly didn't care about it. <laughs> Clearly. You know, um, so we had England um, and that's, that's just, uh, you know, we had a, and in the middle we had a T20 World Cup. That was a lot. Um, the Huge. women's side, we've had the WBBL roll on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Alicia, Alicia like, Healy is now the captain. Crazy. All things. Crazy. It seems to be coming so thick and fast, it's difficult to, to wrap your noodle around. And, and not only that, Butter, but you were just telling me before that there's you're now watching new forms of cricket, or like in between mm. the Soccer World Cup, which is ongoing, you're seeing new forms of cricket appear on an almost daily basis. Yeah. What was I watching the other night? I think it might have been... Argentina, Saudi Arabia. Something. Oh, that was a cracker, that, that was, that was by a, the way. That was a cracker. What a corker. That was game. a cracker. Anyway. It, maybe it was uh, Japan, Jimmy, which was also a cracker. Uh, we'll save that for our soccer podcast, 2-0. <laughs> many, <laughs> many crackers. Anyway, uh, it was half the time and I was, I was in bed because, you know, it's quite, it's obviously quite late. I was in bed and I was on watching uh, uh, SBS On Demand, which is great streaming service. You know what? Really good. They're not a sponsor of the pod yet, but if anybody from SBS is listening, like, give me a call. Let's sort something out. Great app. For sure. Also, I appreciate about SBS the fact that, um, I don't know if you've logged on there now, but they've got like, you know how they have shows like organized by theme. They have like, you know, action, comedy, da da uh-huh. And, you know, we know SBS, of course, stands for Special Broadcasting Service. Mm. But there's another sort of interpretation of that acronym, which is, um, you know, sex before soccer. Never has that been more accurate than now. Anyway, on the SBS On Demand, they actually have uh, the shows organised by various interpretations of the SBS uh, kind of acronym. No way. Uh, And so there was kind of Spanish before soccer, which is obviously a Spanish-themed show. Anyway, one of the ones was Sex sex Before Soccer. Um, (laughs) Now, I'm not into that sort of tawdry business, but... (laughs) Oh, Bardo, you piker. You absolute Uh, piker. I thought this show was going to get really raunchy real fast. But there was was a documentary called The History of Nudity in in, in 
Hollywood or the history of nudity in cinema. Sensational. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, so, it's halftime during the, the soccer and uh, uh, I, I flipped over to, to KO because I thought, look, there might be something on. I'll just watch 10 minutes of, of something and then I'll flip back to, you know, mm-hmm. when the game restarts. And there was a curious thing called the Abu Dhabi T10. T10? T10, yeah. Wow. 60 wow. balls assigned. Jesus. Uh, and it was the Bangla Tigers, which I'll admit I don't know anything about the the, the Bangla Tigers, but I, I think mm. they might be a Bangladeshi team. Yeah. I'm assuming. Uh, and they were playing a team called the New York Strikers. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, International. Yeah. Brand new franchise, <laughs> okay. the New York Strikers. Incredible. If anyone can tell me how the New York Strikers came to be, why they're playing in Abu Dhabi, why aren't they playing Where in New York? Where we get a t-shirt from, we would love to know about it. And you said yeah. before, Bardo, and I think this is so worthwhile, it asks the question of whether we're going to get to the cricket singularity. That's right. You know, whether it's all going to come down to being just one ball. Like, how short can we make these, these formats? How short can we make these boundaries? Can we just... Pull the game in so it is literally just a tiny circle filled with 11 men. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, you know, I mean, if you think about it, we have had the expansion of cricket because we got to the point where we had we had the timeless tests, you know. Really. Yes. Then that's the point <laughs> where the cricket universe reached its greatest expanse. <laughs> yes, I love this. And yep, <laughs> ever since then, <laughs> the cricket universe has been collapsing in on itself. <laughs> Till slowly, as you say, we're going to get to a singularity where it's one ball each. Most runs wins. Most runs you know win. what, Chris? I could see that directed by Christopher Nolan. Um, that, that. <laughs> yeah. oh, you mean the whole history of the, the cricket? Oh, yeah. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think you put Matthew McConaughey in the middle of that and maybe Dev Patel and you've got a really cracker of a film there. Yeah. I think that's that's going to stand the test of time. Maybe the Cumberbatch is in there somehow, oh. some way, travelling through time and space. I mean, there's, there's sure. a lot of opportunity. All I'm saying, Chris, I, I think Benedict. I could see Benedict Cumberbatch playing like a, you know, 1920s English captain with a neckerchief. Jeez, oh, um, wouldn't he be good? I think he could. He could do that. Maybe like a. Wouldn't he be bloody sensational? Yeah. Um, Bardo, big show today. So, so we've got a bit of a pivot for you, ladies and gentlemen of our wonderful audience. We're very, very thankful to have you all listening to the show. Um, this summer we're going to try and do it a little differently. Uh, last. If you've been listening to the podcast since we started, we've had a pretty sporadic uh, release schedule. You've probably noticed that episodes just appear when games are either about to start or end. And, and it's been pretty hectic for us to try and manage, particularly with uh, all of our wonderful correspondents. And we also wanted to bring our correspondents into it more and not just the ones who were featured in a game against Australia that week. Uh, we, Chris and I have been saying how fantastic all of our correspondents are and how interesting and unique their voices are. And we want to kind of give them a bit more free reign, Bardo. We kind of want to let them be free with the buffalo um, and and make the show a bit more diverse and not just so Australian-focused. Um, that was our thought, wasn't it, mate? Look, we're global citizens here, Pat. And global citizens, Chris. You know, so are, so are our correspondents and so are our listeners. So we're really just becoming, you know, one. Again, it's about the cricket singularity. It all comes back to that. Um, so here's the plan, folks. We're going to be putting episodes in your feed on a regular basis until the end of January. In February, our one and only Chris Barty is set to become a dad. 
Bardo. Papa Bardo is what we're going to call you. Um, <laughs> Big Pop Pop, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. We can workshop the name. Uh, we can put some Biggie Smalls in here with, oh, like, I wouldn't call him a Big Pop Pop. Oh, that's different. Sure. Um, weird. Um, <laughs> I mean, great song. Wrong context. <laughs> So, look, that, that particular life event might slow down our recording schedule and we'll probably mm. take a little break um, at the end of January until the ashes in uh, July, which we're back in the UK for. So, in the intermeaning time, Chris, we're going to have more correspondents contributing to more episodes and in even more exciting news, we've hired an editor um, who's going to be editing this podcast for me and I can't tell you the dream that is for me, Chris. I'm pumped for it. Big Mike. Listening to this now, we salute you, sir. Doing the hard work, we salute you. What a dream. What a dream. What a dream. Um, you know, and Big Mike, he's got some work to do because I remember on our first episode uh, ever and I had a couple of beers mm-hmm. and I had a couple of, um, you, know, you know, bottle caps that come on top of beers sometimes and they were jangling around in your pockets <laughs> while we recorded. They were the worst. You were playing with them next to the microphone. I spent two days trying to get the clicks out of the track. <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> In my holy life. I mean, all you've got to do on your and Chris is just press record. It's all you got to do. I think my favorite part of that whole thing is you didn't know what the clicking was. I had no idea. And then you mentioned it afterwards. And I was like, I I know exactly what that is. Talk about a way to destroy a man's life. My word. Yeah. Um, Uh, And Chris, you've got a new segment for us a bit later in the show too. Uh, Did you want to preview that? No, we'll keep it a surprise. It's all right. Keep it a surprise. Okay, there's sure. a new surprise segment coming at the end of the show <laughs> featuring our one and only Chris Barty. Like, it's not a Tesla or anything. <laughs> just to be clear. Basically, I was driving around yesterday. I was like, oh, that would be pretty funny. So, it's yeah. a pretty funny idea. It's a funny idea and it's not a Tesla. That's all we can tell you at this stage. <laughs> all right, big fella. Let's get into some takes from correspondents. We've got three correspondents to hear from today. We, of course, here at Two For None have correspondents scattered all over the globe who report into us um, with their thoughts and feelings on this beautiful game that we love. And um, Chris and I have never heard these tapes before. We will uh, listen to them live with you. And uh, as anything pops into our brains, we might say, hold up, hey, stop the tape and have a chat about it. So... That being the case, Bardo, what would you like to start with, big fella? You've got Chris Goodrick from South Africa. You've got Alex Spinks, obviously our Australian correspondent, and the one and only TK Hawkey, our British correspondent. Who's tickling your fancy? Well, you know, I really think we should start... Well, I think we should save Tom for last. You know, they've been yeah. triumphant England, haven't they? So I think, uh, you know, we can we can afford Tom the, uh, the podium. Uh, I would really like to hear from Chris Goodrick. Uh, I think the South Africans were... They were flying high there, weren't they, for a while? For a hot minute, Bardo, they were the hottest ticket in town, you know, these Africans. Um, and I kind of tuned out before the surprise twist, but I have a feeling that there might have been one coming. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what Chris has to say about that. Fantastic, Bardo. Let's fire him up. Here is Chris Goodrick, our South African correspondent. Good day, guys. Good to be back. This is Chris, the good man Goodrick, the South African correspondent. And uh, yeah, interesting times in the cricket world. Uh, South Africa coming off an unfortunate um, loss against the Netherlands uh, and our history of choking is just continuing. Um, but look, some things to look forward to is we do have some games coming up. Um, so I think I'm going to be uh, 
taking my same approach this year, this season, the summer ahead. I'm going to be giving you guys the latest in uh, what's happening with the pro tiers. Um, it's going to be interesting because uh, the pro tiers in a bit of a pickle uh, with the World Cup qualification. Ooh. So yeah, going to be focusing on that. Hopefully it doesn't. Uh, hopefully it ends up. Hold up, Chris. Did he just say that South Africa are in trouble from a World Cup qualification perspective? Mm, yeah, he did say that. I didn't know about that. Me neither. Interesting. That's why we have them on the show, Chris. We can't keep our fingers across all of these pies. No. What are we in a pie shop? Not today. <laughs> Too many pies. In quite a simple process. And the interesting thing about where I'm recording today is uh, I'm in a lovely place called um, Delat. <gasps> and uh, this is where I met a certain gingerhead um, Australian called uh, Paddy Cullen, who said, good day, mate. And we just started talking some cricket in a hostel. And uh, it was the start of a, a beautiful career as a, a, a cricket correspondent. Um, so, Paddy, I'm back here. Uh, it's bringing back memories of uh, you, you singing. And uh, I think uh, we had one night at karaoke where uh, we, 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 we have a few beers and um, I was uh, singing a couple of songs and uh, it was good times. It was good times. So, good to be back, guys. Oh, let's hold him up there, Chris. I know you wanted to jump in and say something there. Did I? I don't know. I was just thinking about Delat. I was like, where's Delat? Delat, Chris, is in Vietnam. And it's about halfway up the airspend of Vietnam. And it is one of the coolest places in the world. Um, yeah, it's, it's where I miss Chris Goodrick. As he said, we had an amazing time. We sang a lot of karaoke. I believe I cracked out Toto's Africa at some point, sure. which is about um, three octaves too high to me. But that's that's not the point, Chris. You've got to believe in yourself when it comes to karaoke. That's a great song. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and and there's like all these mountains there. It's in the mountains of, of Vietnam. And we went actually went, Clarky and I, my, my other good mate I went traveling with, went canyoning there. And it was one of the most insane things I've ever done. But I literally just ran into Chris Goodrick completely randomly and then pitched him a couple of years later to be our correspondent. <laughs> and here he is. <laughs> it's a very strict vetting process to get on to for none, Chris. Yeah. It's very strict. <laughs> you know, I just stalk people in karaoke bars. And um, if they can do the job, then bingo, bango, you're on the show. That's the, that's the process. Sure, sure. Let's go back to that T20 World Cup. Um, South Africa looked good, hey? Really looked good. We uh, we opened the uh, campaign up with a, a no result against Zim, and um, we managed to beat India, which was really bloody fantastic. Um, and then we uh, we beat Bangladesh as well. Uh, unfortunately, we lost to um, the Pakistani team, and um, that then put us in an interesting scenario where we just had to beat the Netherlands just to uh, qualify for a semi. And we were looking like one of the really informed teams sitting top of the log for, for a lot of that uh, tournament. Um, unfortunately, as, uh, as South African cricket does, sometimes we folded. And uh, credit where credit's due. The Netherlands, I thought those last 10 overs, they just bowled really – the slower ball bowling was just really, really good. And um, they really put us under pressure. Um, you know, our, our middle order could have done better. I thought Davey Miller, that's really where, um, you know, his – He's got to put his hand up and, and, and take those opportunities. Um, but look, these things do happen in cricket. And, um, you know, a lot of teams didn't even make it either like uh, <coughs> Australia. Um, <laughs> Chris, holding you up there. Mate, how impressive was it, Bardo, to see the um, minnows in the T20 World Cup doing so well? Like the Netherlands, Zimbabwe, Ireland even put on a really good show. They did. Look, and I actually think the best game of the tournament was uh, Ireland versus Scotland in mm. uh in Hobart, I think. 
that was a spectacular game. And that, to me, was actually the best part of the whole tournament. To be fair, I, I thought when the established uh, cricket nations turned up, it ruined the whole thing. <laughs> Get them out, Chris. Yeah, Give me out. the New yeah, York yeah. strikers in Abu Dhabi. Bring them in. Yeah, Bring them yeah. in. No, I thought I thought magnificent. Um, you know, and and look, the Netherlands. Um, what a performance! What a team! The the orange, the orange, and it's great to see a new um, sort of a rivalry starting there, a colonial rivalry of sorts. To see the the Dutch playing the uh, their former colony, the South Africans, yeah. and the the angst there, but the challenge. That's almost. It's almost ashes like, isn't it? Ashes adjacent, Chris. They're just missing ashes adjacent. <laughs> They're just missing yes, some burnt bales. But it was great to see the Netherlands are really, really pushing them for it and, and getting the win there. Like it was a pretty, pretty huge effort and some real up and coming stars. Who I, I hope we do see in, in the BBL. Um, I would see surprised to see a couple of those guys get picked up um, by Australian teams. You know, would be cool. Would be cool. Well, you know, I mean, half of the imports from the BBL are buggering off in the middle of the season anyway, so there will be some vacancies. Yeah, there'll definitely be some spots. Let's fill it with some Dutchmen. You know, what I mean, why not? <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking ahead for South Africa. Okay, so we've got a couple of tests. Uh, we play the Aussies. Unfortunately, we were, we were supposed to play them in a couple of ODRs, which would, would really have helped us in our World Cup campaign because um, we could have grabbed a couple of points. Um, so the world, the 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 three tests we play um, uh, over December and January is in Australia. That's going to be tough. Um, very very interesting though. Our test team is 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 still very good, captained by Dean Olga, who leads from the front. Um, and yeah, I've got a lot of faith in our um, our test team, but it is going to be tough, especially in Aussie. But uh, you know, nothing better than a Boxing Day cricket. And um, wherever I am in uh, Southeast Asia, I'm definitely going to try and watch a bit of that. Um, the other um, after that, so so after we uh, play the tests, we've South Africa has essentially got five ODIs to try and automatically qualify for the Cricket World Cup uh, next year in September. So we play England three times and we play the Dutch twice. If we can grab four wins out of those five games, it gives us a really good chance. But um, we could get pipped by Ireland and we could also um, get pipped by the um, West Indies. So um, it's it, we've never been in this scenario before where we've been battling to you know finish in the top eight. Um, so interesting times for SA Cricket. But uh, the five ODIs we do play off. I'm just going to hold you there, Mr. Goodrick. But don't you think that's wild that we could have a Cricket World Cup, like a one-day World Cup, without South Africa? Yeah, insane. It seems super strange. Yeah, very strange, very strange. I mean, I guess, you know, good for world cricket in the sense that there is uh, now more competitive teams mm. in the white ball format. Obviously, Ireland have done a, a magnificent job, as we've covered on this podcast over the years, we we follow the island cricket closely. Yeah, um, sensational. So that's been that's great to see. But yeah, it's certainly wild that that you know it comes at the expense of uh, South Africa. Mm. I mean, that's a big scalp if Huge. if it happens. Um, I think, you know, hearing about this for the first time, but I but I think you know we we'd certainly back South Africa into to punch their way out of that out of that corner for sure. It also shows just how much stronger those Mino teams have got, huh? Like they really yeah. have improved dramatically in the last sort of three to five years. Look, absolutely. Uh, you know, there there are a number of teams in that, you know, second uh, one day league. Mm. Uh, I was just seeing the other day, Papua New Guinea and the US were what? playing in a, uh, in a in a bilateral series. Yeah, crazy stuff. 
Give me KO Channel 74 um, so I can watch PNG yeah. play. That sounds wild. Um, just get a last little bit from Chris here. Are all at home. And we generally are pretty good at home. So um, barring there's no rain, you know, games where we're not rained out, I think our chances are pretty good. So I'll be bringing you guys the latest. I'm still going to be bombastic and, you know, living it up and, uh, yeah, giving you the latest about the pro tiers. Um, we have a new coach and we should have a permanent coach um, coming in from January. So, th- so I'll bring you some news about that. Uh, Mark Bouch is off to the uh, Mumbai Indians. Oh. So um, all the best to him. Bloody good, guys. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to the tests and, um, yeah, looking forward to South Africa qualifying for this World Cup. All right, guys, you bloody take care and we'll <laughs> see you later. you got to say that Goodrick's Australian impression really has come on a lot um, uh, since he's been on the podcast, Chris. Like, he's really um, he's really leveled up there, I think. Yeah, I'd say he's on about level two. Um, I enjoyed that sledging a lot, but uh, that made me very happy. That, that got me on my insights. Um, what do you think their chances are against us later in the year, mate, in that test series? Uh, how do you reckon the staff is going to go? Uh, I mean, they're always competitive, aren't they? You know, maybe not the strongest side that they've ever sent down uh, to Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, we remember those formidable sides from a couple of years ago. But, you know, as long as they've got, um, you, you know, that pace attack. Yeah, pace attack you know, is Which is still... Uh, still doing some really good things, you know, as long as they've got Kakisa Rabada mm. um, and they've got uh, Ngidi, uh, they're going to be formidable. Uh, Jansen, I think, is, is the other yeah. bloke that, that uh, you know, did some damage against India. I mean, let's not forget, you know, they've they beat India in a test series recently. Mm. Uh, so not as strong as they have been in the past, but they will be formidable as always, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, Bardo. Thanks so much to Chris, the good man, Goodrick. What an absolute legend reporting in from Delat um, at the birthplace of our relationship. What a what a treat. What a dream. I hope he's drinking a lot of beer, Saigon, and singing karaoke on my behalf. Um, Bardo, would you like to jump to Alex Spinks and hear a bit of an Aussie perspective, hear what's going on? Absolutely. Great to have the good man. We've had the good man back. Now we're going to have the great man. <laughs> And I don't know what hockey is, but yeah. Hockey's definitely something. Uh, well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, here he is. This is Alex Spinks. We've been waiting for this. Now my time has gone. Gonna rise up again. Now our kingdom comes. Really likes making use of the um, music license I bought, Chris. <laughs> Is this tape just this song? <laughs> yeah, I think he's just sent us this song. <laughs> Previously on Australian Cricket. Former Australian Test cricketer Andrew Simons has died, age 46. Yeah! Yeah! Six for Surya, 12 in the game. Yeah. Sri Lanka celebrate. It's been a magnificent performance. An incredible comeback after being 1-0 down. Does it get through? It is. It's a win for Zimbabwe. It's an historic one. The first time they've beaten this Australia epic. in Australia. 
And what a courageous win. Sport now in Australia's T20 World Cup title defence is over after England snuck home to beat Sri Lanka at the SCG. In a final over thriller, England chased down Sri Lanka's eight for 142 with just two balls to spare. That is England through to a World T20 semi-final. That is Australia, the host out of the competition. And Stokes is unbeaten 42, helping get England over the line. Incredible. Spinks, incredible. That was wild. That was absolute wild strawberries. He's about to talk, but I just wanted to jump in now quickly and say, holy moly. Yeah, I didn't realise his segment would be directed by James Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, neither. (laughs) Neither. It was a segment directed by James Cameron, arguably produced by like Spielberg slash Michael Bay. Not not entirely sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> what a, that was incredible from Spigs. This is this is what we're talking about, Barter. This is what happens when we just throw it out to the correspondents and tell them to do their thing and see what comes back to us. You know, letting them off the letting them off the chain, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, off the hook. All right, let's get into it. Come on, Spigs. What you got? Hello, everyone, and welcome to a return by a Spinks. <laughs> Thanks to several factors, including an unsettled lineup coming into the tournament, Rain, a distinct lack of Bartow and Pat's fellow high school alum Cam Green, Rain, Aaron Finch being well past his used-by date, more Rain, and that definitely not one of my favourite cricketers, Ben Stokes, Australia ended their T20 World Cup title defence by failing at the first hurdle and exiting the tournament in the group stages. Mm. So now we have... Sorry, what was that? Oh... Pat wants all our clips to be around three to four minutes long, and I've used up over 50% of my allotted time with music he needs to license and news clips of other events, and now we won't be able to preview the upcoming series against the West Indies and South Africa until the first test has already started on November 30th, and now I'm really just wasting more time by rambling. (laughs) Oh, well. See us next time. It's great to be back. Give him credit for um, for having a unique approach <laughs> to, 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 to sending us a tape there. <laughs> Thanks, Bixie. What a legend. Uh, wild, wild strawberries of stuff. <laughs> I'm not even sure how you move on from that. Bono, you got anything? Uh, um, he said. He said what he did, and he did what he said. You got to give him credit for the audio production, though. I thought the audio production. Yeah, sensational, actually. Yep. Um, he certainly sounds prepared for the summer ahead. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? He sounds really across it. Look, um, it was pretty disappointing to get bundled out that early in the tournament, but Spanksy does make a great point in how overall, and I don't just mean this because I'm a bitter Australian who had the T20 World Cup for all of about eight months before we lost it and got bundled out in the group stage, but it wasn't a particularly outside of that Scotland game, Bardo, which was brilliant. Um, because of all the rain, because of the interruptions, because of all of that stuff, this tournament didn't have the same sort of sheen on it as previous events. Um, I don't know if you felt that way, but I found myself not as engaged in this T20 World Cup as other tournaments in the past, Chris. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I think it does depend on your perspective. Uh, you know, certainly from an Australian supporter standpoint, you know, a lot of the talk was around the fact that, you know, we didn't fill the stadiums for, for particularly, particularly for Australian games. I think that final fixture against Sri Lanka, you know, only had about twenty thousand or you know something. You know, like not a not a full stadium. I mm. suppose what I'm hitting at without having the exact figure in front of me. Um, but 
by all accounts, you know, if you were a person from a, a culturally and linguistically diverse background from an Australian, you know, in Australia, uh, you actually really enjoyed this World Cup and you got a lot of value out of it. You know, oh, amazing. Uh, you know, we, we can look at some of the magnificent uh, attendances in terms of that, that India-Pakistan game. Huge. You know, at the MCG, 90,000, um, yeah, wow. you know, biggest ever attendance for a, for a fixture not, not involving Australia. And the atmosphere there was was immense, you know. Mm. Um, I went to, uh, I think it was Australia-Sri Lanka in Perth uh, and great game. Great game to watch, uh, but the best part about it was the Sri Lankan supporters. Yeah, you know they they really made uh, made the event worth going to. It's also weird in that it was on a Tuesday night. Yeah, uh, so that was you know the fix, and it was it started at seven o'clock Western Standard Time, which is you know three hours behind uh, the East Coast. So if you're watching that in in Sydney, that that game doesn't start till ten p.m. So yeah. who's going to watch that? You know, so that's that's the thing is I'm not really sure, kind of the the fixturing and it, it wasn't it was it was some weird elements to it. But I think again, if from a global cricket standpoint, I'd probably say rain aside, it was actually a really good tournament. But because I think we failed to kind of engage the Australian public uh, in the event, you know, we, we almost didn't appreciate it uh, being here. You know, it, it was yeah. almost um, what's the what's the What's the one where things get really blurry when it's close up to your face? Is that short vision, long vision? I don't know. One of those we two. Had, <laughs> you know, we, we needed to see an optometrist because I think we missed out. You know, I, I think the rest of the world really enjoy this tournament and, uh, and Australians maybe not so much. Probably led by the fact that, you know, we underperformed at this tournament. Mm. I think there's probably some disenchantment at the moment around... Um, uh, um, general malaise around Australian cricket, and and the sort of the the feeling towards the the team, whether that's to do with you know a build up of the treatment of, of uh, Justin of, Langer, Justin Langer, yeah. and, and and the like. I'm not so I'm not sure, but I think that all certainly played a part. And it's just hard, I think, in the Australian kind of cricketing landscape at the moment to get a foothold and to know what to get excited about because yeah. there's so much happening. So I think all those things certainly played a, a, a part. I, th- I think, Chris, that there's something about the format too. Like T20 is really exciting. It's really exciting to watch and it's a great way to introduce people to the game. I, I really do feel at the moment like 50 over cricket has lost its way and that the ICC on a, on a broader level is kind of unsure what to do with it. Like even when I watched these interviews with the players recently where they were asked about their favorite formats and pretty much everybody said test t20 odis and i think that's a lot of public sentiment too um like i'm not sure if you saw the last game of australia versus england odi uh at the mcg bardo but there was like less than ten thousand people there in a ninety thousand seat stadium and like this is australia playing england do you know what i mean and just nobody yeah. was But there. also fixtured in the middle of the day on a Tuesday. Like, what are we like, doing? What are we doing? Did we really... So, so I, I got the sense that they were just... The games were just being played so the games could be played because I assume there's a minimum amount of games that we need to play in order to qualify for the World Cup, yeah. let's say. So, I'm assuming that's why they were played. You know, I'm assu- you know it was Tuesday... Th- sorry, it was Thursday... Saturday and then a Tuesday game. So you're not really giving people a chance to go. And that's, look, I understand that that, you know, you might 
just need to play the games and get them done and it's a cram schedule and all that sort of thing. But why play it at the MCG? What's the yeah, what's, what's the, the growth there? You know, maybe there's a contract with Fox Sports which says you have to say, play a certain number of games. Sure, yeah. You know, in order to get content for Fox Cricket. And that's fair enough. That's, we understand. Bill's got to get paid. But why not play it in Ballarat? Yeah, Townsville. You know, why not? Darwin. You know, Townsville. Again, no problem with with fixtures against Zimbabwe uh, and the West Indies in in Far North Queensland. Great. Yeah, brings the game to regional areas. Fantastic. What an opportunity I think this would have been to to play have Australia play England in I don't know Dubbo. as you said Bendigo, yeah. Ballarat, Kalgoorlie, you know, Broome, Launceston. Uh, what other towns can we name? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Alice Springs. Um, now that would have been a thing. Why aren't we playing? Why aren't we playing cricket at the Alice? Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'd be doing with it. If you have to play these sorts of fixtures, because because country towns would be clamouring for this this sort of thing. Oh, mate, that would be huge. That would be totally. That would totally change the ball game on it. And look, I, I think the point you make about the T Twenty World Cups really right. Like I I, I totally resonate with that. Um, and I think that's a really good way of, of thinking about it, that it is so much bigger than just an Australian thing. And that's the whole point of our trying to pivot this podcast too, to, to bring in more diverse voices and, and thoughts and opinions than just just ours. So that, that does give me some real shape, Chris. So good, good work on that. Um, and I do hope that they, like the cramming of the schedule is a problem, right? It's, it's a real issue. And I think they need to think about well, I'm sure they are thinking about ways to make it so that we can see the best players playing in games that matter. Um, we just don't need to have these games that don't matter. And if they don't have any relevance to the people in the place, change the place and, and bring them to communities that would really benefit from them, really love to see it. I mean, you could see people really turning out on a Tuesday night in in Alice or in Dubbo or in wherever to see those cricketers there. It'd be amazing. Yeah, well... I mean, if you think about, I mean, the MCG has a capacity of what hundred thousand, which is great, huge. Um, but the Oval, very, also a very storied cricket ground, has a capacity of thirteen thousand. Really? You know, it's really it's tiny. Yeah, you know, it's, right. It's, you know, smaller than the Loka. Like, it's smaller than thousand. I don't know if it's thirteen thousand. We might need to Google that. But anyway, it is small. And uh, it just goes to show. I think with with cricket, you know, it's not necessarily the size of the ground, but <clears throat> it's about. 27,000, Bardo. 27,500. 27, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So twice so the size of the Wacker, but you know, still the point remains. <laughs> but still, I guess that's the point I'm making. It doesn't have, we don't have to play in a 100,000 seat stadium. We could play in a, in a, in a smaller size stadium, in a boutique stadium, mm. in a regional town. Yeah. I think that's a great you idea, know. Chris. And that might, that might really solve a lot of that. Um, mate, should we jump to a largely victorious and very pleased with himself, Tom Hawkey? Um, who no doubt will have some some great English e things to say at us and jokes to make about winning the uh, the T Twenty World Cup that I was just bitching about. <laughs> you sure? Let's go. Hi there, Tom K Hawkey here with another bulletin from a Brit. England are the reigning ODI and T20 World Champions. Well, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you again next week. That feels gross. Oh, all right, then. <laughs> Let's have a little bit of flesh to those bones. The thing is, like any true Englishman, I'm struggling to celebrate England's win 
without thinking of reasons to be sad. I'll give you some examples. <laughs> Reason to be cheerful, England have won the T20 World Cup for the second time. Reason to be sad, they then got whitewashed 3-0 by Australia in an ODI series a week later. This speaks to the inconsistency surrounding England that has plagued them in recent years. However, they do seem to be able to pull out those big performances when needed. Reason to be cheerful. Mm. Alex Hales returned to the squad after a three-year hiatus. He was dropped in 2019 for recreational drug use. Hales' strong, fearless batting at the top of the order was a delight, and he top-scored for England with 211 runs at an average of 52. Reason to be sad. Hales only got his chance after Johnny Bairstow fractured his leg in three places playing <sighs> golf. No, no, really, golf. Hold up there, TK. Isn't that a bit of a time for cricketers doing weird injuries, Bardo? Like, do you see Glenn Maxwell's leg? Mm. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen the image. I, I just I heard, saw the interview with him talking about it, and it sounds like an right, absolutely right. brutal experience. And then, yeah, Johnny Bairstow breaking his leg playing golf. What's going on here? Yeah. Well, there's uh, Voodoo Doll somewhere. Yeah, Voodoo Doll is a great excuse, Chris. Got a bit to hex. I wonder Got if it's the compaction of the um, the singularity of cricket, just focusing in on yeah, those two right. gentlemen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, walls have closed in specifically on their legs. I mean, those two fellas are at the centre of it. I'm just saying, when it comes to shorter form cricket, they're really in the centre of the singularity, both of those fellas. Sure. Bairstow had a phenomenal summer in test cricket, where he averaged 82 across eight tests. I'm praying he'll be back because his blistering form was irresistible. Reason to be cheerful. England absolutely demolished India with a thumping 10-wicket victory in the semi-finals with Hales and Butler utterly dominating the Indian bowlers. Reason to be sad. England also lost to Ireland, ultimately paying the price for some sloppy top-order batting and failing to stay ahead of the DLS score with brain looming. Reason to be cheerful. Adil Rashid bowled beautifully in the tournament, including scalping Baba Razam during a wicket maiden in the final. Rashid is only the fourth player to bowl a wicket maiden in a World Cup T20 final. It's joyous to have such a skilled spinner in England's squad. Reason mm. to be sad. He's 34 and Moeen Ali is 35. England don't mm. have a whole lot of spin talent coming up through the ranks and this could be their undoing in future tournaments. Reason to be cheerful. Sam Curran. Just Sam Curran. The adorable puppy who just wants to bowl real good. And he does. Whether he's taking wickets in the power play. Hold up there. Aren't we pleased to see the date back? Actually, this is this, the this is the date's brother. Oh, yes, it is. Tom Curran's the date, yes. isn't he? Yeah, Tom Curran's the date. Um, and Sam Curran's brother. Isn't him the raisin? The current? The prune? <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, some sort of dried fruit. Well, yeah, it's definitely dried fruit. Part of that. <laughs> Some kind of, we'll keep workshopping that while Tom keeps going. Or using his clever change-ups to restrict the score at the end of an innings, Curran just does it incredibly. His performance has led to him being named the player of the tournament. So, should I be cheerful or sad? Well, a year from now, England will look to defend their ODI crown when the 50-over World Cup starts in India. If 
they can keep pulling out top performances when needed, if their spinners can keep going, if they can keep Sam Curran keen, and if they can avoid any further golf injuries, who's going to stand in their way? Next week, I'll switch to looking at the test team. I'll discuss Bazball and preview the upcoming series in Pakistan. For now, though... Big thanks to Tom K. Hockey for, for sending in his tape. Great to hear from him, even if he was only slight. He was a lot, lot, you know what? Honestly, less smug than I was expecting, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Listen, <clears throat> good point about Bazball, because you know, the, you know the coach of the English short form is now Matthew Mott, of course. Really? F- formerly coach of the Australian women's team. Oh. So... Man, he's had a he's had a big time. He's he's won the career. women's World Cup with Australia, and then he's gone and won the well, he won the women's twenty twenty, won the women's fifty over, and now he's won the men's twenty twenty with England, mm. ably assisted by one Michael Hussey. <gasps> yes, what? So they're up to they're up to their old tricks, England, because oh. the last time the last time we got uh, diddled. Uh, you know, at at this level, this magnitude mm. by England, they had a couple of Australians. In Troy their Cooley, famously, Troy Cooley. That's right. Yeah, that's Bowling right. Coach. Yeah, so, stitched us up. You know, and was it uh, Andy Flower that was coach or Duncan Fletcher? Maybe. Yeah, Duncan Fletcher. Anyway, it was a Zim- it was a Zimbabwean that was in charge at the time. So they realised that the way to win mm. is to not employ Englishmen. <laughs> and look, it's a good philosophy, Chris. You can't go past that. I tell you what. You know, we're seeing a lot of um, trade protectionism, you know, coming back into mm. the world. And I'm not here to say whether that's good, bad, the good thing or bad thing. I'm, you know, I'm just saying it's just happening. You know, America first, blah, blah, blah. We're seeing, you know, sure. Brexit. But it's, it seems that uh, <laughs> when it comes to English cricket, globalization is the way to go. Because uh, every time they put an Englishman in charge, it doesn't work out so well. Chris, yeah, yeah, great callbacks too. What a series that was, that 2005 series. Um, and But, of course, for us, we've got the West Indies test starting real soon. The South Africa's are going to come. And then we've got an Ashes series on the horizon. There's so much cricket to take hold of. But at the precipice of all that, Chris, and this is where I'm going to throw to you for your brand new segment, which I, I know you're excited about <laughs> in your human body. Um, at the precipice of all of that, before all that can start, a Prime Minister's 11 game mm. must occur, Chris. And this got you thinking. Yeah, always dangerous. So, Prime Minister's 11 game is happening right now in Canberra. Uh-huh. If you're in Canberra, get on down. In fact, if you're in Sydney, get on down. It's a great day. We want to support ACT cricket. Sure, uh, yep. But it did get me thinking that the Prime Minister's 11, mm-hmm. you know, is selected. It's made up of cricketers selected by the Prime Minister. Yes. And what is it that really imbues the Prime Minister with that power? <laughs> and if you think about it, it's the apostrophe. <laughs> Prime Minister's 11 in that he has ownership of it. I see. The Prime yes. Minister's 11. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, the Prime Minister's 11, you chuck the apostrophe in there. All of a sudden, the Prime Minister gets to select the team. And right. the yes. team uh, then obviously plays the, uh, the match against the visiting the visiting team. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. Uh, which, you know, it's, there's been some interesting uh, interesting things happen over the last, last couple of days. We haven't even talked about Todd Murphy, for example, which mm. I'm sure we will over the summer. But it did get me thinking that what happens if you took the power back ah. and you remove the apostrophe from the equation? From the uh, equation, then all of a sudden it becomes the prime minister's eleven. As in an eleven made of prime ministers, Chris. 
That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Two for None's new segment, The Prime Minister's Eleven. <laughs> the Prime Minister's Eleven. No apostrophe. So, anyways, what I thought was, if I was going to pick for a, for a test match, for a five-day game, mm-hmm. if I was going to pick an Eleven made up of Australian Prime Ministers from throughout history, yeah. what would it look like? Yeah, sure. Uh, I love it. Now... I probably should have written this down, but I'm going to go off the top of the noodle. Great. I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about it, so I think I should be alright. Okay, right. great. Yeah, I'm going to write so it down. You hit me can with. Can you it. write it down as we go, yeah. Pat? All right. All right. <clears throat> so we're going to open the batting with Malcolm Fraser. Oh. And Gough Whitlam. Oh, great shout! All right. So here's my thinking. Sure. Uh, you, you've kind of got your Chris Rogers, <laughs> David Warner style. <laughs> partnership there yeah. right so you've got your one who's a little bit more conservative yes uh, you know and then one who's just are we assuming that their politics is going to be what their batting style's like chris is that where you're going with this look i wouldn't hold too tightly to any sort of theme or analysis sure here, but, sure sure, but yeah, sure sure yeah i mean that's loosely where we're going <laughs> yeah so great, great we open Love the batting it. with malcolm fraser and we yeah. and we have uh goff whitlam you know so yeah. first of all a good uh, left-right combination, or right-left. <laughs> That's great, Chris. That's very good. Keep going. So, one's a little bit more conservative, a little bit more steady, uh, yeah. and then Whitlam's a bit more expansive. Whitlam's just yeah. super aggressive, right? Just a really aggressive yeah, stroke, yeah. The Matthew play, aggressive stroke yeah. play here for a good time and a long time. You know, yeah. I, I made the Warner analogy, but I actually see him being more like a Chris Gale. For example, sure, just, because sure, I think, the universe I think from memory, he was quite a tall man, quite an imposing figure. You know, Goff's huge, man. Yeah, Goff's huge. This is where you and I are going to uh, uh, um, differ because I, I reckon Goff's going to open the bowling for me purely because he's about six foot eight. He's a huge unit. But anyway, sure. I like this Matthew Hayden sure. approach. That's what I'm thinking. Here. Yes, yeah, um, who's your, Langer Hayden? Langer Hayden. Langer um, Hayden. Yeah. So, who's your number three? So at number three, I've got Sir Robert Menzies. Oh, yeah. Right. Australia's longest serving prime minister. Uh, Solid butter. Solid really so, Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. you know what you're going to get. And he was, I mean, in charge for, what was it, 28 years. So I'm Huge. just imagining yeah. some real Chester Wapajara style, you know. <laughs> you know, again, quite conservative sort of approach to the 16 game. years, 38 days, Chris. That's a long time at long the crease. Long time at the crease. Long, long time at the loves crease, to occupy yeah. the crease. Uh, yeah, love so that. So that's that's he's, he's my number three, right? Um, yeah, really kind of guy you can build a build a country around because he's absolutely you know, yeah. yeah yeah. Um, now coming in at uh, number four, this is mm. another pairing. Okay. Uh, number coming in at number four, I've got Paul Keating. Paul Keating. Paul Keating coming at number four. Again, going on a left-right combination. Uh, Keating famously a Labor prime minister, bought in, floated the dollar, did all that's that right, stuff. That's right. But dour, but funny. Yes. Great selection. Great selection. In order to explain Paul Keating's selection, I need to let you know of the number five. Okay, So sure. at number five, <clears throat> I've got Bob Hawke. Oh, right. yes. <clears throat> now- You've got to have Hawke and Keating in the middle order. I mean, it's going to be tetchy at points. That's right. Uh, famously, a bit of animosity there, but God, they worked well together when they worked well together. Well, that's right. Sort of like the War Brothers. Exactly. Really. That's exactly where I'm going, Pat. It's the War Brothers, <laughs> right? So, Paul Keating to me is a bit more like Mark War. You know, very quick on his feet. Um, yeah. You know, very 
quippy um yeah you know very effort great set of hands effortless yeah. you know um and do you know what i wouldn't be surprised if he bowled some medium paces if he bowled just a couple of little outies um keating quite a tall man um wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see yeah. him bowl a few tweakers. and also wouldn't be surprised to see i'm not sure if you've got a keeper already picked but i could see bob hawk taking the gloves do you know oh, what I mean? Because well, such a little now, bloke. Hang on. Oh, you've got him showing on. We're sorry, getting, we're sorry, getting ahead of ourselves here. I'm getting so, ahead of myself. Sorry. Sorry. That's all right. So the other thing is about Paul Keating, of course. So Paul Keating, the Mark War of the side, came in at the expense of his brother Steve. Wow. Wow, that's good, Chris. God, that's good. Jeez, you put some you thought know. into this. Wowie. So <clears throat> we've got, you know, and probably like people like Paul Keating, you know, you love mm, the personality, yeah. but he's probably not the national treasure that um that bob, bob hawk is. Uh, is considered i can tell be. you he doesn't have a brewery named after him in marrickville in sydney uh, which bob hawk definitely yes, does yeah well i was in um, Cam- so i was in go. canberra recently and there was bloody hawk lager everywhere mate it's delicious it? um so number six chris number All six right, so number six so this one this one was a little bit tougher mm. uh but i think for number six we're going to have john Curtin. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Curtin, great shot. John Curtin. Obviously, great in a tough situation, led Australia through World War II, um, the gritty, determined little bugger. Yes. Yeah. So, that's right. So, I thought, look, you lose a couple of curly, a couple of curly wickets, a couple of early wickets, more to the point. Mm. You know, he's someone that could come in, do a job, lead Australia through some tough tyres, potentially, but also... Let us not forget that he is the one that famously switched allegiances from Britain to the US, right? Yes, the, yes, the, good the, the foreign yeah. policy shift. So I thought, well, you know, this is a guy that could do a bit of switch hitting, you know, if we need. <laughs> if we need a guy to play a reverse sweep or a switch hit, you know, so let's say we're in the subcontinent, I think John Curtin's your guy. Wow, Chris. Wow. Yeah, sure. I love that. Okay, awesome. So, number seven. seven. So, this is where the wicketkeeper comes in. Ah. Uh, Now, my choice here is Kevin Rudd. Kevin Rudd. Kevin Rudd. Now, the glasses probably don't stand up all that well for uh, Mm. wicketkeeping. But I did think, again, quite quite a gifted orator, Kevin Rudd. You're sure. Very... So you're thinking mainly about his chat mainly behind chat the stumps behind here, by the way. Yeah, mainly yeah, chat yeah, yeah. The stumps. Also, you know, I mean, he's, he's, I guess, known for his, his foreign policy. I mean, that's kind of his thing. Yeah, he's sure. a bit more cerebral. Multilingual. You know, so yeah. he's a bit of a thinker. So I think that, that bodes well to, to being a wicketkeeper. I, I think that's his sort of, that's his go. Sure. Um, so we're now into the bowlers. Um, who's coming in at number eight? So for we're, in, we're into the bowlers. And... I had to think. We need a spinner. Okay. We need someone that can, you know, t- turn on a dime. Might go for it, you know, uh, might cop a bit of a beating, but we'll uh-oh. get you a wicket when you need one. Oh, I'm so worried about this. And I just thought, who better than John Winston Howard? <laughs> <laughs> you do remember that. John Howard famously bowled one ball in Afghanistan, I think, or Iraq, when he was over there visiting the troops, and it was the worst ball anybody's ever seen in the history of the game. Yeah, it's definitely a slow ball. Like, we know that much. <laughs> Mate, he's going to get belted, that yeah. bloke. All right, yeah, All no, right, fair let me, enough, let me walk you through what I'm thinking here. So, throughout yeah. the course of his career, you know, yeah. John Howard, 
you know, took some took some beatings, went for some runs. Uh-huh. But when you needed a, when you needed a wicket, when you needed someone to turn uh-huh. on a dime. When you needed somebody to really mess up industrial relations policy, right. you, he was you, there. You needed, <laughs> you needed someone to fabricate a tamper crisis. He was right on the money. Yeah, I'm not commenting on, commenting on policy here, <laughs> but when you needed when you needed a ball out the back of the hand to turn the sure. other way, to sure. reduce something for you know his party, you know he was he was someone that would uh, could do that. Yeah. So John Howard is my choice for for the spinner. At number eight. Well, you got yeah. number nine. So now we're going into the pace attack. The quicks. the quicks, yeah. Who are your quicks? Uh, now, as you know, Australia's been through a series of prime ministers fairly rapidly. Mm. So that's rapidly. that's sort yeah. of the formation of my um, my pace attack here. Uh, so coming at number nine, we have the firebrand, right? Yep. The uh, the real kind of uh, Brett Lee, Sean Tate sort of type. I'm thinking more sort of mm. Sean Tate sort of type here, um, and. For that role, I've selected one Tony Abbott. I mean, you've got to. It'd have to be your opening bowler, Tony Abbott, wouldn't right. he? I mean, he's built like an absolute shed. <laughs> he's built like a builder's house. And he is and one of the angriest people ever to be elected to a, to a federal office. Yeah. Uh, truly yeah, hectic. Right. So, he's got to open yeah. the bowler. I mean, yeah, just, sure. you know, super aggressive. Yeah, that's- you know, attack, 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 attack. Skitty, I reckon. Very wayward. Yeah. Very wayward. Very wayward. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of stuff all over the shot. Lots of short Lots stuff. Of short Lots stuff. of chin. As you say, super fit. Super fit. Doesn't not, yeah. not always about line and length. But... Oh when yeah, he, body's a temple though, and he could bowl thirty overs in it. Well, day. I was, uh, you know, when when he gets it on target, you know, he he really he really did did bowl people over. I mean, you know, yeah. one of the most effective opposition leaders in, in history. Um, you know, some yeah. question marks over yeah, the prime ministership, but that's okay. Um, uh, number ten. Number ten. Uh, so this one, you know, we need a, we need a metronome. All right, mm. we just need someone who's you know just going to come in. Get it done, and for that one, I've I've selected Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, oh, Turnbull! Yeah, Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah, not not a lot. Of, not a lot of flash. Just sure. Just got in. Got just it steady. steady the ship. You know, after yeah. after we went for some we went for, went some, for some runs after Tony Abbott's spell. Now you said Tony Abbott could bowl all day. I was thinking more of like a short, sharp kind of three four hour spell. He's taken about three for ten, uh, three for twenty. <laughs> You know, in the space of two overs, probably three for one hundred and four, <laughs> but he's he's definitely taken three. You know I mean? That's Sean um, Tate kind of all chin music too. Um, Who's number eleven, now, Butter? Yeah, now this is interesting. Now this is in- this was a this was a tough one. Um, I thought so. Thought look, I'm going to go with someone that wasn't at the crease for very long. Uh, you know, a bit of a bunny, bit of a bunny. Uh huh. Uh, and for this one, I've gone for Australia's shortest-serving prime minister. I'm pretty sure you might need to fact-check me on this, but I'm pretty sure this bloke's Australia's shortest-serving prime minister, and that is Earl Christmas Page. <laughs> I've never heard of Earl Christmas Page. Yeah, I think I think I'm hoping you're fact-checking me while we're talking here. Um, yeah, I'm on it. Earl Page, there he is, 19 days. Wowee. Yeah. Yeah, so he's my he's my bunny. He's my number eleven. He's not going to be at the crease for very long. Certainly wasn't the crease for very long. Nineteen days in and out, uh, and he's sort of a bigger fella from memory. So I'm sort of thinking, I'm hoping mm. he's, he's he's a bit of a a Merv Hughes type. 
Yeah, yeah. Come in and bloody do the thing there, mate. Yeah, I love that. Look, Chris, my my eleven's pretty similar. Um, I think the only thing that I'm I'm gonna do is I think Fraser's a great opening bat. I'm with you there. I'm actually gonna go. I think Whitlam needs to be in the bowling lineup. Personally, I think I think he's such a tall man and he's such a big unit and he was such a big steamer, you know, um, running in there. Oh, may we say, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He'd be full of fiery chat. And I think a a bowling lineup of Abbott, um, buddy Whitlam, and then uh, somebody. Oh, I need a third person in there who's a real fiery bugger. Do you know what I reckon could be Wiley? Is is Julia Gillard? Um, mm. Just bowling like little hooping Megan Schutt style big old innies. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be my my three. I see K Rudd unless he's a keeper, probably more as an off spinner. Sure, I think he's going to come in there and do off breaks. I think Howard should take the gloves um, because if he's going to do anything, because he's a little bloke and he can sit behind there, he can grab pretty easily. I love this middle order of um, Keating, Hawke, Curtin, all the great Labor prime ministers there and I totally agree about Tony Abbott um leading the bowling attack. I think that's that's a great idea, mate. Um that was a lot of fun, Chris. <laughs> I love this. I love this. I love this idea. And it's only going to be good for the politics nerds out there. Everybody else is going to find that monumentally dull, but screw them, I say. <laughs> um let's let's throw that out to our listeners and to our correspondents too. If you want to put together an eleven of prime ministers or presidents um, from your local nation and, and send it through to us. We'd love to see it. You can find us on Facebook. That's two for none. Uh, you can find us on, I'm going to start an Instagram as well. Um, I'll get that happening. There should be two for none as well. Um, or you can email us at gingersnapsydney at gmail.com. Chris Barty, thanks so much for joining me, mate. We'll be back in a fortnight to do another episode and I'll be in Perth. We might be able to get in the same room. Holy moly. Ooh, ooh, ah. Thank you so much for being with me, mate. Any final thoughts before we sign off? No, look, I'm very excited. Summer ahead, it's going to be great. The West Indies are back. You know, so many, so many fun memories of the West Indies uh, over the years. Whether it's uh, you know Michael Bevan hitting the winning winning runs in in '96, '97. Um, not that I was alive in the drawn test in 1960, <laughs> 61, but you know that's folklore. Um, you know, hopefully the pace attacks of the '80s and '90s. The pace attacks of the '80s and '90s, of course. So hopefully there's a, there's a bit of joy. I think I think I'm, I'm hoping the West Indies bring a bit of joy and a bit of life uh, back to uh, b- back to our shores because we're 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 a bit glum on cricket at the minute. We're not, we need we need to lift our spirits and I think they can they can help us with that. I love that, Chris. Thanks so much, mate. Big thanks to all of our correspondents, and we'll see you in two weeks. Oh, one more thing. Go the Aussies. Go the Aussies. Go the Aussies. Two for None is created and presented by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. The show is produced by Ginger Snap Productions and edited by Mike Wilcox. Welcome to the team, Mike. Correspondence this episode were Chris Goodrick, Alex Spinks, and Tom K. Hawkey. Clips and music in this episode were Battle Without Honor or Humility by Hote off the Kill Bill soundtrack, EMI 2000. We Are the Champions by Queen off the self-titled album, 1977, EMI. Spink's backing track was Vicarious, Audio Machine off the YouTube slash Michael Bay's Dreams, and the Tufanum theme is written and performed by me. All clips and music is used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license, OL2028. Contact APRA for more information. Our next episode will be out in two weeks, and in the meantime, like, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend about this podcast, share it with your buddies, get it out there on socials, let the world know that Tufanum is back for summer. 